Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Dak Ryan Experience Podcast, Episode 4. And today, I have a very special guest, a personal best friend of mine. We have Dooley. How are you doing today, man? Dak, I'm doing good, brother. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Wow, it actually worked this time. Yeah, I know. Surprising. We haven't tried the last two days or nothing. Yeah. (laughs) So... The reason why I chose to bring you on this podcast is because you know a lot about the wrestling world. I've known you for a couple weeks now. I met you when I went to Alabama. Yep. And uh, it's like we just automatically were very good friends. Oh, yeah. We clicked. I mean, we clicked right off the bat, and it was it all kind of tied back to our love for wrestling. So it's, it's, it's really good to know, you know, that, I mean – we haven't known each other that long and you're already one of my closest friends so it's very awesome it's very good yeah yeah it's weird how wrestling brings us you know brings people together right that's what i'm saying so i know that you're not in the backyard wrestling community wink at least not yet (laughs) wink 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 um what if you watch any kind of backyard wrestling what is your intake on the wrestling the backyard wrestling world right now um, from what I do watch, you know, there's a lot of people who like to claim that they are the best of the best. And it's really, it's really difficult to say that because half of these people, you know, have no earthly idea what they're doing. They're just going out there and throwing things around and throwing people around and not having anything in the world, but you know, you know, I watch guys like MEBW, and like I, I feel like they honestly have no idea what they're doing. And then you have guys like DSBW, who I do know those guys personally, and half of them have no idea what they're doing. And um, it's, it's so funny because they work. Sort of in the professional wrestling industry. Sort of. <laughs> um, as I know, I've Let's, helped you. I've helped yes. you set up a ring before. Yes, you have. Um, Did really well, um, by the way. Proud of you. Thank you. Yeah, that was the... God, we set up that ring fast. Yeah, it was the quickest we've ever set it up. And honestly, probably the quickest we've ever torn it down, too. So good job, boys. Yeah, good job to the New South crew. Yeah, New South crew. Come at uh, you. Love every single one of them. Of course, my personal favorite of the New South crew, the leader, Dooley, right here, man. That's your man, Dooley. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, I, I like personally like the MABW people. I mean, they're really cool and stuff, and they they cherish my wrestling. They really love it. And But sometimes I do feel like there's some people out there that don't know exactly how you work a match. No, they don't. And that takes with you put your ego aside and you put your wants away and you make it to where you and your competitor look good. Oh, yeah. It's all about – it's not about making – you know, you can't just make yourself look good. You have to put all of your trust and all of your ability into the person you're working with to make each other look good. Because if you come out and you're like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to put myself over. I'm not going to care about that other guy. Yeah, maybe that other guy's not trying to put himself over, and he's just trying to do, you know, his job. But, like, you have to have trust in who you're working with. If you can't have trust in who you're working with, then you shouldn't even be involved in any type of wrestling. 
yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. That, that's how you get hated in this business. Oh, yeah. It's... That's how you get massive heat. Who is who's your favorite backyard wrestling company right now? Um, well, I have a soft spot in my heart for um, I have a soft spot in my heart for DSW. Of course, I have a soft spot, so I would definitely say they're up there. Um, TBW, you, you know, I like the stuff you guys do, and uh, but even though there is a soft spot in my heart with DSW, there's also an anger into my heart with DSW. Yeah. Could you care to explain why you have such a bit of a soft spot, but also hatred for DSW? I have a soft spot, like I mentioned. And there's a soft spot because it kind of runs deep into my it runs deep I would say into my blood is I guess something you could say um, it runs into like you know it runs kind of into my blood and then that's the soft spot part of it but the, the deep hatred is also the same as the soft spot it runs in my blood and here pretty soon a lot of the people will find out why that's the case. I can't wait to see what this big plan that you have unfolding before our own eyes is going to be. Um, do you think that we'll ever see you in TBW? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Man, I can't, I can't wait for TBW 2019. It is going to be a blast. Yeah, I... I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a hell of a lot of fun. Well, so let's talk about memories and favorites of the wrestling world that me and you have. What are some oh, of your favorites? Yeah. Um, like so, just some of my favorite memories. Memories, wrestlers, whatever. Well, yeah, we can go with uh, we can go with the memories at the um. We could we could start off with memories here. Um, the one memory that really goes into my head whenever I think about wrestling, um, when Eddie Guerrero first won the WWE Championship, No Way Out. What that was? That was a uh, No Way Out two thousand four. Yes, and he defeated Brock Lesnar. That was, that's one of the best memories in wrestling history. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, another memory which which actually involves my top two favorite of all time in the Nature Boy Ric Flair, who is my favorite of all time, and Shawn Michaels, who is Woo! number two. Yeah, Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels, number two of all time, um, was WrestleMania twenty four, where. Ric Flair retired from WWE, not so much wrestling, but WWE. And um, that moment itself was just heart-wrenching because I saw my favorite leave and it was my, you know, second Uh, favorite that made him leave. So, 
yeah, I cried. Oh yeah, no, it, I, I was a whirlwind of emotions. God, I remember that like it was yesterday. How can you not? How, it's it's tough to you know it's tough to not remember that. Um, no, speaking of favorites, you know my favorite wrestler of all time, Chris Jericho. Yes, uh, I remember. Are you? Yeah, I remember you telling me about that. Um, he signed with AEW. I'm very happy for him. That he did, uh, which was, I'm going to be honest, a complete shock to me. Um, yeah, I would have expected him to be a part timer. I would, I, you know, I didn't, you know, I wouldn't have even expected him to be involved with AEW. Um, you know, he, you know, Jericho seems like the type of guy that when he says something, you know, he means it. And he he has always said that he would never compete with Vince McMahon. You know, him and, him and Vince have this, like, relationship that I've come to, you know, that you've come to notice throughout the years and he's always said he would never compete but he's competing and I think that all kind of leads into you know how Cody and the Bucks and Tony Khan are allowing Jericho to still work with New Japan and still do his cruise oh definitely yeah which is I Um, think a big portion of what you know WWE was not going to let him do um it's so crazy to me because what people don't understand is having Chris Jericho on your roster is a very big deal. Oh, of course. Because not only – I mean, he's a legend throughout professional wrestling history. And having a legend like that on your show will have a huge crowd. Yeah, it'll it'll definitely have a huge crowd, and it will – and it kind of, you know, and you know, Jericho. I believe it was either Jericho or if Ryan sat and won um, that said this, but I believe, I believe it was a quote from Jericho. Um, Jericho himself said that, or it was one. Like I said, it was one of the two that said it. Um, it it makes AEW like legit with Jericho being there because not a lot of people like people know who Cody is and people know who the Bucks are. But not everybody knows who they are. But everybody knows Chris Jericho. The casual fans, oh. the hard or the you know the hardcore fans and the casual fans as well know Chris Jericho. Yeah, that's, and that's why I was saying that he's such a big entity into this because people are gonna watch WWE content and be like, "Oh, Chris Jericho's move shit." Well, he used to be a WWE superstar. I gotta watch this, right? And. That's just that's that's a big deal. Um, favorite. Okay, so what is your favorite match of all time, then? One second. Yeah, that's fine. Give me a second. Doing a podcast. Okay, sorry about that. Um, but sorry. as you as you had stated, uh, favorite match of all time. Uh, that's tough because there's a lot. 
there's a lot of good choices I could go with there personally for me. Um, but if I had to choose, you know, it's got to be it's got to be Flair and Michaels at 24. Again, going back to that, you know, it's my favorite. Um, I would definitely say that's number one. You have there's a lot of good choices, man. Uh, it's tough, really, to say. You know, there's a lot that I have, but. If my favorite dead set favorite of all time is definitely Flair and Michaels at twenty four, and it's not it's uh-huh. not like because it's not a technical it's not a technical masterpiece like a lot of these other matches that other people would choose, but it tells the story, and I love when matches tell a story. Oh yeah, agreed. It has to tell a story. Um. A match that comes to mind, and all my close friends really know this, um, my favorite match of all time, because I was watching as a kid, so a young kid, like very young, um, I remember Shawn Michaels' Triple H Bad Boy. Yes. 2004, in a hell of a cell. It was for the uh, world title, I believe, was it not? Or was that after, yeah. was that after WrestleMania? Uh, that was after WrestleMania. So it was not for the world and, title. No, it was to end the rivalry, and people... And what what was the craziest thing about this match was people thought that Michaels the babyface was gonna win. Oh, of it course all. not. And boom, nope. Triple H comes out on top. And fun fact, and, actually, I'm sorry to cut you off, but fun fact since Triple H is being mentioned here, Triple H is number three of my all time favorites. Triple H is one of my favorites as he, well. He's number three. So I've got Flair, Michaels, and Trips there. So it's kind of a it's kind of a solid three, if you would ask. You know, you ask me, but but I just I just remember this match being so long and so gruesome, and it's it, it's always had it's always been close to me. Oh yeah, it's it it's always been just it's always been crazy. It's one of those matches that you really just think back on, like wow, they really did everything. <laughs> I mean, holy cow, like. I I've I've yet I've I've still I'm I'm pretty sure that's the best Hell in a Cell match ever. Yeah, that's it's very debatable. It's very debatable. I also like the one with Triple H and Chris Jericho. Triple H and Jericho. That was at um. I, I, I was forgot. it um, was it a backlash? No, I want to say SummerSlam, but I don't think that's right. I want to say it was uh could it have been could it have been backlash in 2002 after um no i think, after that I think it was either in 2000 i think it was in 2002 or 2000 it was very early 2000s cuz i remember i remember what you're talking about exactly um but uh, one oh, of God. my one of my personal favorite hell in a cell matches was another early 2000s um it was at Armageddon 2000, and it was the six-man Hell in a Cell for the WWF Championship at the time. Um, it was the it was Undertaker, it was Undertaker, Stone Cold, Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle was the champion going into the match. Um, the Rock, Rikishi, and Triple H. 
Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, because that's the one where Rikishi fell off into that bed of hay. Yeah, off the cell. You know, Taker threw him off the top of the cell into the uh, bale of hay. That was that that was insane. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> um, yeah, Hell in a Cell has always gravitated towards me because I mean, I mean, we've had bad Hell in a Cell matches, but like, oh, we've had god awful. Most of them aren't bad, but uh, they're most of the time they're pretty good. Um, another one, Undertaker and Brock Lesnar from No Mercy two thousand two. That was another really good one. Oh, I remember that one. Yeah, that one was really good. That one was gruesome. It was too. very, it was very violent. Um, so going back from memories and stuff, and let's get to today's wrestling. Is there is there anything that you would change in today's professional wrestling? I would change. I would, I mean, there's a good bit I would change if we're being honest. Yeah, I I would change a lot of crap. I feel you know I feel like, and as much good. As it's done, I think it's done its fair amount of bad. Uh, social media, just social media in wrestling has ruined everything. You know, it, it's funny because, like, a lot of people would argue with you about that. Oh, yeah, I mean, they would argue. If you, if you sit there and really think about it, Social media kind of does ruin professional wrestling. I mean, yeah. Like, if you think about it from when, you know, we were, when we were younger, when we were, like, the ki- whenever we were kids, you know, watching this and how we fell in love with it, we fell in love with the shock value and the anything can happen, the unpredictability of it, which unpredictability and, you know, anything, you know, anything can happen or whatever, that can still happen today, but it's just, it doesn't mean the same because, Back then, when we were younger and watching it and growing up with it, you could see, you know, we would see the point in time where, okay, we're just going to sit down and watch. Like, we're not expecting anything to happen. And then a random title change will happen on Raw or, you know, a random title change will happen on SmackDown or, like, this guy debuts or this person Yeah, it's more like It's more like spoilers. Exactly. Spoilers is what kills it. And like spoilers, God. spoilers are all like, and that was the, th- you know, that's the thing with how it was, you know, back in the, like, I mean, I'm sure spoilers got out, you know, back then, but nobody knew, like, it was only like, you know, you heard it from this guy who heard it from this guy who heard it from this person. And now it's just like, you go on Twitter and you see guys like Ryan Satin and Sean Ross Sapp and a bunch of other guys and a bunch of random guys who think they know the scoop and, you know, it's it's easy just to find an online article, and then there's your spoiler, and then you're like, okay, maybe this is true, but then you're like, okay, yeah, they, you know, they were right. So it sucks, you know. The um, like, I just, you know, social like in social media. Don't get me wrong, social media has done good for the um, social media has done good for the wrestling business in general. That's how a lot of these people make their names, and how a lot of how a lot of people get themselves over. You know, Zack Ryder got himself over social media. Um, Priscilla Kelly here recently with the fake tampon spot, you know, the tampon spot or whatever. And oh my god, I know Priscilla. She is a sweetheart. She could be a bitch sometimes, but you know, when I first met her, she was. But you know, she warmed up to me because she's worked for New South a lot. Um, 
she she just has to warm up to you and get to know you. But Priscilla is a great person, and she got herself over with a spot. So, you know, you tell me what's wrong with that. You know, she gained I don't know I think it was I think it was almost twenty thousand followers in a day. So, or not even not yeah, even I not mean, even a full day. It was like it was maybe twelve hours. Yeah, like. What people don't realize is, yeah, it was nasty or whatever, but she got her name out very, oh, very quickly. Yeah, and that's exactly how you, you know. That's exactly how you do things. You get your name out there, and that's what yep. social media does. Like social media helps with that. It helps a lot more in today's day and age because you know, with guys like, you know, without social media, guys like the Young Bucks, you know, guys like Adam Cole, I don't think they would be as big as they were. You know, and then social media started to get prominent, and you know, you have series like Being the Elite, and you know, you have all these other different series like Up, Up, Down, Down with Xavier Woods or Austin Creed, you know, whatever, whichever name you want to call him. Um, and then things like that, that really made, you know, these guys bigger, and it gave them the more character, and it had more people tie into what they're doing. And then, especially with how, you know, we, you know, how you guys are starting to get, you know, you know, you guys are starting to get into the wrestling business with the backyard wrestling stuff. If there wasn't social media, if there wasn't YouTube, there nobody would nobody know. would know who you are. Nobody yeah, would know the... any. Nobody would know any of us, and nobody would know, you know, anything like that. The only people that would know you are your close friends, and, and... you know the people in your neighborhood or whatever. Yeah, that's the that's the graceful thing about social media. But I do feel like social media has more of a downward spiral than a ladder to go down to go up. Absolutely. Um, I mean, it's not even with wrestling; it's with everything. People's lives get ruined. Oh, yeah. By social media, it's it's so crazy how something can happen to you. Like, like Tony Storm is a perfect example. Perfect. I was if I was gonna bring that up. I'm glad that you brought that up because um, like you know, she's known around the wrestling business, and of course, you know, she got a lot of support. But after that, like, that was rough. Oh that yeah, was no, rough it for was. Her. It was very rough, and you know, I did. I had no idea what was going on until I'd woken up. You know, I'd woken up that day or whatever, and you know, like every day, I get on my Twitter. And I'm scrolling through my Twitter and, you know, I see Tony Storm's name, you know, she's trending and I'm like, oh, she probably did some crazy spot on a house show or something or a live show and that, you know, she's getting over. And then I look at, you know, I click on her name and I'm like, oh, you know, nude leaks, that's never good. And then I'm scrolling, like I'm scrolling through, you know, and it's, you know, I'm, I'm looking like, oh, she deleted all of her social media and all this other stuff. And then I ended up seeing them, which I wasn't looking for on purpose. I didn't want to see them. And it's just, it it sucks because that could happen to any of us. Like that could happen to anybody. But when someone wants to take time out of their day to ruin someone's life, it just, you, it really, it's just, it's, it's disrespectful it's, it's sad. It's sad. It's very sad that you have nothing better to do in your life than ruin someone else's life. It's terrible. It's. Uh, I, I still. I, I haven't lost a thing of respect for Tony. She's a great oh, competitor. No. 
<laughs> and I do wish her the best of luck. And it's not, um, you know, in, you know, she didn't lose her job or anything, which is, which would be stupid for her to lose her job over something like this. Um, and she hasn't lost any credibility. I mean, this upcoming Saturday, you know, she's going to be in one of the prominent matches on the TakeOver Blackpool card, uh, the UK TakeOver Blackpool card. with Which, which I'm very excited about. Very excited about, um, which is another thing I do want to talk about in a second involving that card. It's another thing involving that show. But, um, you know, she's going up against Rhea Ripley, who is amazing in her own right. And, it it really hasn't taken anything away from Tony. The only thing Tony did was just she was like, okay, I'm just gonna you know this is enough. I'm gonna delete the social media and just get past it. And it's I mean the situation's pretty much dropped. I mean nobody talks about it anymore. You know, but I, other than what we're talking about it right now, it kind of hasn't really been prominent recently other yeah than what we're talking about it. Yeah, because everybody didn't make it a big deal. Now if everybody made it a big deal, it would still be talked about. Now, I think, and this is nothing on, um, and this is no disrespect to Tony Storm, but if it was, if it was somebody like Nikki Bella, Trish Stratus, um, Lana, you know, someone like that, Becky Lynch, Becky Lynch, Charlotte, you know, people like that, it would be talked about completely, it would it would be like a whole two or three month thing. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And it's not because like, well, I, it has partly to do because they're the main roster. Oh yeah. absolutely. Well that too, but then, you know, they're, but they're more, they're known more worldwide than someone like Tony storm. And that's no disrespect to Tony storm. It's just, you know, she's prominently a, a UK Japanese, you know, a UK Japan wrestler. Yeah, that's where she made her name, and she's just now coming over to WWE, where more people are getting eyes. You know, there's more eyes on her. So, I, talking about WWE, you know, um, let's get on with what you were going to say about the uh, the UK card for their, for their takeover. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm I'm really thinking with the way that, you know, they're pushing this whole Pete Dunne 600 days as champion thing, like, the way they're pushing it really makes me think that Joe Coffey is going to beat him for it. Yeah, see, that's what I'm thinking. Because um, normally when they do stuff like this, you know, they start pushing like, oh, this guy's undefeated, he's been undefeated for this long, or he's held, you know, or ex-superstars held ex-championship for this long, yada, yada, yada. They normally lose the next time out. Yeah. Um, a guy that I would really – if I was to pick somebody besides Joe Coffey to beat Pete Dunn, I already know a name. Okay. Zach, Zach Gibson. Oh, yeah. I love Zach Gibson. Zach Gibson is a monster. He's really good, and the Grizzled Young Vets, is our, that, that's a really good tag team. Him and James Drake do really well. I wouldn't be surprised if they end up beating Trent Seven and Tyler Bate this weekend for the UK tag titles, which are gorgeous, can I say? Oh, God, yes, they're gorgeous. They're amazing. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised to see the Grizzled Young Vets win. Like, they're – Zach Gibson is just a whole other animal. Like – He's aggressive. He's 
he's just he's very good in the ring. Like he's very interesting to watch. Um but yeah, I'm very excited about this UK card. Very oh yeah, excited. it should be it should be a really good show. Um so off to that, is there anything you would want to say to the fans? Um Yeah, so all of you that are going to be listening, or all of you that do listen to this, you know who I am from talking now. But if any of you watch DSW, keep your eye out, because you're going to be hearing from me very, very soon, and I can guarantee all of you, and not intentional disrespect to you, Dak, but uh, all of you will realize, especially that Dweeb Hunter X, that I am better than you. Well, there you heard it, folks. He is better than you. This is my good friend, Dooley. Thank you for being on the podcast. Dude, thank you for giving me the opportunity to be on here, man. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was the Dak Ryan Experience Podcast, episode four, with my friend Dooley. Guys, I hope you have a great day. It was good talking to you, man. Let's get out of here. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was great talking to you, as always. We'll see you soon, buddy. We'll see you.